motherfucker that only sleeps too It doesn't matter just what I do The more you want something, the farther away it gets And I'm spending all my time thinking about this And now I'm writing it down Cause I'm hoping it'll stick Welcome to They Them Theirs, a monthly non-binary discussion podcast. We're here, we're queer, let's talk about shit. My name is Rain, and I use they them pronouns. My name is Casey, and I use they them pronouns. I don't want to talk about literal shit. <laughs> I, the, way you, the way you said it that time kind of sounded like you did. I, that's why I wanted to clarify. <laughs> I was like, wow, it really sounds like I want to talk about shit, but I really, really, like, that's kind of the last thing I want to talk about. <laughs> All right, we'll put that at the end of the list for this episode. <laughs> yes, literally, it's the last thing. Okay. <laughs> Bottom of the list. Hi, Rain. How are you? Oh, I'm so full of bees, which is my way of saying I drank too much coffee and I'm not about to stop. Hey, I say that all the time. Well, not all the time, but I do say that. I say I feel like I'm full of bees. Did I get that from you or did you get that from me or is it a Midwestern thing? I think we're just really similar. I think... <laughs> And I think we've been poisoned by the same sections of the internet. <laughs> Definitely. You know, like, we we hung out in the same places, and <laughs> and now there's no going back. <laughs> the same bee-filled alleys yeah, of the internet. With, like, this weird, like, friendly, goofy gayness, you know. <laughs> that's, that's where we're you're making at. It, you're making it sound a little malevolent. Oh, it's not. <laughs> No, it's like the least malevolent. No, I'm making wild generalizations that I shouldn't be. <laughs> Anyways. Um, how how are you doing? What am, how am I doing? Yes. I'm really, really, really good. I'm, I'm just feeling amazing. Wow. Yeah, my, my health insurance is back. It was canceled for a second because, because of some weird error. Not my cool, fault. Cool, that can just happen. Yeah, not my fault for once. Not my fault for once. That's um, good, at least. And because it wasn't my fault, like, for once, I got, like, so, like, self-righteous about it. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was like, this is oppression. No, not really. Um, it came back just in time for me to get a big bottle of pills that I really needed that would have cost $1,100 otherwise. Wow. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> not inexpensive. Is it, I know. It's like I got a text from the Kroger pharmacy that was like, your order is ready for pickup. Total, $1,111. Mm, <laughs> and I you was can like, keep that oh one. my God. And I like called some people and got really indignant. Mm -hmm, and. Mm -hmm. Ugh. As you should, as you should, when it isn't your fault. Yes, exactly. My one opportunity <laughs> to be <laughs> indignant. You've been waiting for this moment for years, Casey. I have. This is what you've been training for. Yeah, I'm not mean to customer service people, though. I no, never. Yeah, we, we wouldn't be friends if you were. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, 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 I swear, I know it's not their fault. <laughs> I'm and I get embarrassed when I get upset on the phone. I get really embarrassed. Oh, uh, yeah. Happy Halloween. It's Halloween today. <laughs> it is. It is. It is Halloween today. I almost said it is happy Halloween today. <laughs> Did you, uh, do you have a costume? I do not. <laughs> if you did have a costume, what would it be? 
an egg of some sort, like a fried egg, probably. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. I, I think I would be Ghost Rider <laughs> because I just watched those movies and I think they're pretty good. It's <laughs> <laughs> as good a reason as any. Yeah, well, the first one's pretty bad, but the second one really makes up for it. Oh, yeah. I can't, I don't think I have seen. Uh, yeah. That, well, no, I probably have. That makes sense. Um, there's no reason to. <laughs> the first one, I'm gonna say, like, just very quickly what I like about those two movies. The oh, please do. The first one is, is garbage. It, it, it's written in this really weird way where things just kind of happen randomly. Like, there's, it feels like there's no, it feels like a video game. Like, He's just like fights these four guys in these like really boring battles and they come about just like randomly. And he's also Nicolas Cage is playing Ghost Rider, I should mention. Naturally. And he is wearing a terrible, terrible hairpiece because like Nicolas Cage, his hairline is part of his face. And <laughs> and when he wears a, a, a bad wig, you can tell. And he's supposed to be, like, a sexy guy. And, in fact, Ava Mendez, the beautiful, funny, gorgeous Ava Mendez is in this movie. And she's, like, so horny for him. And it's so upsetting. <laughs> um, but in the second movie, he is not wearing a wig. He looks like hell. He's acting like a crazy person. And he... He, there's this part where he like hits on a younger woman. He's like in the hospital, and there's this nurse, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Johnny Blaze, and uh, uh, <laughs> you, you're you're real pretty. Uh, could I take you out for breakfast or something?" And she's just like, "Ew," <laughs> and she's just like, "Ew, no." <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's just like <laughs> it, like I don't know it. It really makes up for the first one where they're like, no, he would be, he would be such a reject if he was the, the devil's servant. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's who I would be for Halloween. That's really good. <laughs> Actually, well, okay. now I want to change it to like vampires kiss Nicholas Cage. Oh, oh, it'd be so fun if we could go to the same Halloween thing as two different Nicholas Cages. That would actually a Halloween party where everyone is required to be a Nicolas Cage. Oh my would be god! Really great. It really would be because there's like so many options. Have you seen Moonstruck? That no, I still haven't. Oh that my one's on the list. God, he is so funny in that. He has a wooden hand. It's so funny. <laughs> he what can't he do? Honestly, <laughs> <He's> wow, like, <laughs> so unhinged. I love it. Oh, you know what? Ghost Rider really reminded me of. Uh, Drive Angry 3D, which I saw in the theaters. <laughs> it's a Nicolas Cage movie where he's like trying to save his granddaughter, who's a baby, from the devil. Um, <laughs> I definitely almost just like dropped a mouthful of coffee onto the floor. Not a spit take, but just like an open mouth, like <laughs> coffee dump. Yeah, the devil's played by Billy Burke, who was. Um, I think I've seen this. Huh? I think I've seen this. Hold on. Oh, when it's, did this come out? I really enjoyed it, and it was in. I can't, I can't believe I have to say this now that you're the co-host, but this is not a movie. Podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a. It's the joke. The eternal joke of the show because we would spend so much time. No. This, this is. It's like Joe is here. It's the 
Frigging ghost of Joe, legitimately, <laughs> oh, is well, I, in, in the chilies tonight. I think me, yeah, in the chilies. Me and, <laughs> me and, uh, I think, I, I don't want to make assumptions about Joe, but I, I don't know how to talk about things that aren't movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they it's never laugh. It's my favorite thing. Would you consider Drive Angry a dark fantasy action? Yeah. Okay. It's funny too. It was a comedy. Amber Heard is in it. They do not have a romance, which I think is really cool. Like Good. she's like along for the ride. Not a romance. She's along for the ride, but she literally like fucks other dudes who are like her age. It's really cool. And he's just like, come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> Stop having sex. Stop having sex with that that himbo. Wow, okay, I just read the phrase manifests a black 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air, so I'm going to go ahead and close that tab <laughs> and just erase that from my mind forever. <laughs> oh, okay, so we're not talking about Nicolas Cage movies today. No, we're not. Just kidding. We did. We already just did, so yeah. we are, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that was in the past. It's time to look to the future. In- Do you think he is a vampire in Vampire's Kiss, or that he just thinks he is? You know, I only saw that movie one time on my 29th birthday, and I was drunk as shit, so I have <laughs> I have no idea. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. That was from the... Bu- that was... That was the before time. The before times, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the BT. What are we talking about today, Rain? We're talking about books. Ah, Books. Which is, I think it's good, because, like, you can't spell books without boo. <laughs> spooky. Spooky. Spooky subject for Halloween. Oh, books. my God. Oh, my God. Yes, thank you. Um, my, my mom, every year, really loves to send me a Halloween care package, which is cool. Aww. Because, um... I don't know. It's always Halloween in particular. It's never like Valentine's Day or Christmas. It's like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because I grew up with this person telling me that I was conceived on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> which seems to be true because uh, my birthday is July 29 and my mom was always like, you were two days early. So... um I do think of it like her being like, "Here's your conception gift." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my pa- well, I don't know why my parents also like they they don't send me a package because it's in like January or something, but they will text me and be like, "Today is your real birthday," and I'm like, "Can you not do this every year?" Wait, what? Yes. I, they do they also be like, "This is when you were conceived." Kind yeah. That's yes. that's so weird. It's really weird. That's so weird. What? Or at least I think it's yeah. I think it's You think it's weird? I think it's weird. I think it it's, might not No, my my like whenever I bring that up, I'm like like where I'm like, Is oh my mom normal? told me when I was conceived, everyone's like, ew. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, I wonder if this is I wonder if this is an us thing or a cultural thing or if we just have really weird parents. I think we definitely have really weird parents. I don't think anyone <laughs> who met us could deny. No, no. <laughs> that something terrible happened here. No. 
Um, no, nothing terrible. Uh, no. Books. But these two people are why we are like this. Yeah, but why are we talking about books? Because you told me about Left Hand of Darkness, and then I read it, and it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that was the book. That was the book that I had to hang up on you for. Don't you remember? I was like, I'm reading. Yeah, I'm I, reading this gay alien book, and I am. <laughs> and you're like, I, yeah, I want to get off the phone because I want to go read this gay alien book, and I'm like, well, I clearly have to read this. It was like it was just getting so intense and I was just like really really emotional about it and I was like, Rain, I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I I, uh, I understand. I I went through it pretty quickly because I felt similarly. Are we gonna talk spoilies or should we not? Um, I don't want to talk spoilies. I can't wow, my... My language is just in the absolute toilet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in the toilet drawing you to the toilet with my toilet language. <laughs> Spoilies. Truth, truth from their well. Spoilies. Sippies. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I went through and I had a couple pages that I marked... Just because there were some really, really good lines that I wanted to um, to talk about. And yeah, I don't want to talk about this, the any spoilers because I hopefully us talking about it will get some more people to read it. It's been out <laughs> for over 50 years. Like, this isn't new, but um, it's a really great science fiction story. Do you want to give the elevator pitch for it? Because you did you did a good enough job to get me to actually like <laughs> buy a buy and read a book. Okay, yeah, I, well, for one thing, I, I'm trying to think if there are, like, I guess there are things that you can spoil, um, a few things, but, okay, elevator pitch. The Left Hand of Darkness is a really fantastic book by legendary author Ursula K. Le Guin, who's just an absolute genius. This is not the first thing that I have read from her. I started out with Birthday of the World, which is a collection of short stories, and those all blew me away. Just really, like, heart-stopping concepts that are, like, emotional and humanist and also take place in a fantastic sci-fi environment, which I think is incredible. I think that's so... that's such an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, Left Hand of Darkness is about... Um, well, it takes place in this large continuum of stories that she has written about this same universe where there's this thing called the ecumen and they dispatch basically uh ambassadors to all these different planets if they just if they determine that contact can be made they try to make contact and the point is to like invite the um the planet like into this grand federation of planets like like on star trek but it's called i think it's called the ecumen like the this mm -hmm. co collective is called and it's like way way chiller than starfleet <laughs> yeah oh it is so much chiller like uh starfleet always felt like such a cohesive thing like everyone was kind of on the same page all the time but the ecumen right, like is like much more and like ranks and things like that. Yeah, it's like very like disparate human parts, and people are always getting things wrong, which like never happens in the Star. Not it does happen in Star Trek, but like 
I don't know. The Federation is set up as as such like a comforting, like stable thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't remember the main character's name, but he is a um, Genli I. Okay, is his name. He is a basically. What would you call him? He's like basically an ambassador. Yeah, he's trying he's, to make contact and trying to like con basically convince the people of this world. Which is called? Um, they call it. They call it winter. People not from the yeah. People not from the planet call it winter. Yeah, because it's freezing cold there, like pretty much all the time. What happens in the book is that this main character starts out. He's um he's being hosted by this autocracy led by this regent, uh, and forces are conspiring against him in this place, and so he leaves and he travels to this other country that's on this planet that is uh more of a democracy like a democratic republic and then other shit happens but basically it's like an examination of i don't want to sound like too esoteric or whatever but like it's like an examination of the abstract space that is constructed in each of those systems of government like that is what i think of when i think of like what the left hand of darkness is it's sort of just like the unpredictability of humans within systems and now i'm rambling but <laughs> i <sighs> no i think you're really you're you're definitely very right it there there's so much of the book that is and that sounds um, really dry but it's actually also really romantic and sexy and like because well, we haven't even mentioned like the real yeah the, the real <laughs> slap of the book and why we're talking about the it which is slap. That, <laughs> um genli genli i the lone human ambassador comes from like a terran planet like earth which and they he refers to him as a bisexual race which i in that in itself kind of made me laugh <laughs> the people of winter, however, are gender fluid, all of them. Right. And they're, it's, oh my God, I'm like trying to figure out how to explain it. They, it's like once a month, or not once a month, is it once a month? It's, um, they have gender, but only during like a certain time period. And their gender is based on, the, like, you know, sexual arousal and the people around them, who they spend their time with. Right. Um, they, their their environment, like, it it's, doesn't have to be the same. And it's like, it could be different every time. Or, you know, you could be a man five times in a row or then a woman or something like that. And because of this, everyone on the planet has the opportunity to give birth. Yes. And, oh my god, oh, that in itself is such a huge thing. Like, it's, it's not a huge thing in the book, but just, like, the, I love that concept that, like, this option is available to everyone. Right, right. And it just, it makes intimacy such a different thing, it feels like. And there are these, like, uh, there are these beautiful asides. Like, there's this one aside that's sort of like the led, this legend, the legend of Estrovin. Do you remember that? Like, there's... There's the other main character, Estrovin, who's, like, a a native of this planet, but there's also, like, the legend of this other Estrovin, mm-hmm. I think. I think they had the same name, but, um... I think, well, Estrovin is, like, a title. Oh, like, is it? Okay. That's how, that's how I read it. Okay. Or that's, that's, there are, the, 
the the world that this takes place in, and I I mean that like aside that not the planet of winter, but like the uh the galaxy, the universe that this takes place in is like such a complete and contained science fiction. There is no hand holding with like explanations of like this is what this uh word means in relation to you know Terran language or something like that. So there are terms of measurement for time um seasons things like that oh where they just throw you straight in yeah I'll- and then you're just sort of figuring it out through like the context and it's it just you really do feel like you are picking up two people's journals and that's how the story is told <laughs> sort but- of back and forth through these different stories i was just thinking i i don't think that shiftgrether is ever like really explained Mm-mm. right no and that's it's like a term for it's like personal, your personal. It's like your persona. personal pride, or like yeah. It's like your personal projection. Yes, I feel it is. Like. It is how you are seen by the people around you, and like if you are part of the government, it's uh, God, what there was like it's a, a lot of the government officials in the book. They talk about uh, Shriftgether all the time. Oh yeah, just, like, especially especially in the um, Democratic Republic. I kind right. of it's it's like. It's like a game almost. I, I really like the, want the politics game. I really kind of want to talk spoilies for a second. Do you think we can we can do that and be like Yes, but we we need to give a time mark and we need a warning. Okay. So, all right, if you don't if you're planning on reading this, skip ahead. Uh I would, How long do you need? I I just say 3 minutes. All right, skip ahead 3 minutes starting now. Okay. We should get back to the gender stuff, but I just want to say real quick, the thing that I think of the most from this book is the fact that when um, the main characters hang out in this autocracy, this like, you know, it's like a monarchy, there's a king, and he leaves because he has come under threat of like death, basically. Like, there are people who consider him a threat. And they're like, we should just take care of him. Like, we should just kill him or whatever. Well, yeah, they see him as like a freak. Right. And it's it's just a very direct threat. And so he instead, like, he leaves and he goes to this other country that is a democratic republic. And he's meeting with all these politicians. And it's an extremely confusing, like, scenario because of just the way that politics works in this world, in this other country. And then what happens is that they, like, arrest him and they send him to this prison work camp where he is, like, he's basically just going to die. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no way he could survive this place. And it's just, like, this disgusting, passive way of, like, exterminating someone. And it's just, like, I think it is such a... It's incredible. Just, like, it just reminds me of, like, the way that, like, the you know, the U.S. government, like, mm-hmm. the evils that, that they perpetrate are just so exactly the same as that, where they're like, we're not really, it's like, it's like, they I'll, call it like a rehabil- a rehabilitation farm or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, like horrifically similar. It's basically like this weird outsourcing and like disintegration of responsibility <laughs> um, for one's actions. And like, I don't know, I think that's just like so fascinating because it's like it's not as if this book is like monarchy bad democracy good it's like monarchy complicated democracy complicated right and and i think that is really interesting and important okay done with spoilies done with spoilies
Okay. Okay, uh, back to the gender stuff. Back to the gender stuff. Um, so, I want to touch on how they see Genli, because he is coming from a planet that has men and women. Yeah. And I... they Genli doesn't make any reference to um, transgender or non-binary people from his planet. Mm-hmm. But he is coming from a place of binary gender to a place of gender fluidity, where sexuality is only sort of activated in these people for like a certain period of time yeah it's like going into heat yes it's in yeah, the book it's called just... in the book it's Kemmer. called kemmering yeah yes yes kemmering or like being in kemmer mm-hmm. i believe and so because genli is a man from a different planet like a complete alien they see him as being in heat 24 7 and they just consider they call him like a pervert yeah <laughs> And they, yeah, it's it's so interesting because he he for a while Genli cannot wrap his head around the gender fluidity. Um, and one thing I thought was really interesting is there is clearly words in their like the language of winter. They're like they must have a different pronoun, but all everyone is referred to as he in the book, right? And I think in in the years since. Um, Ursula Le Guin has been like, I screwed up, should have been they. Uh, uh, and I, maybe that's true, maybe that's not true. People have said that to me, um, I think. Maybe it was a dream, but I, I'm pretty sure that's true because in Birthday of the World, um, there are stories that involve people from winter and they are referred to as, ooh, actually, um, in one of the stories they're referred to as he, she. Like, that's the pronoun. Hmm, I don't love that, honestly. But... H-E-S-H-E. He, she. So, there's, like, an attempt there, uh, I guess. <laughs> like, the crinkly I tried star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh... I... The way that I... I it doesn't bother you, I, you know how you, like... It you... doesn't... Sorry. <laughs> no, it's... I'm completely stumbling. Um, have you ever felt the desire to have, like, a lowercase number? What? Like, you know how you, you, like, you can't have uppercase or lowercase numbers. Like, you know, you can only write numbers one way. The way that they write, sorry, that's, that's a hole in my brain. Um, the way that he reads, like the pronoun he reads in this book feels like a soft, like a lowercase he. Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally. Like a a super soft he. Absolutely. They like, uh, like it feels like when you see a bunch of rabbits or something (laughs) and you would just be like oh he 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 and you don't really know um i mean i think there's definitely like a big problem with using he as a default but i'm you know in the place of of other ideas i think it's kind of okay i mean i'm not gonna like i feel like because it's being written at, like as Genli and Genli is has the perspective of like having immense trouble as seeing these people as they are, and yeah. that's like something he he like he comes back to repeatedly. Um, oh, I'm trying to find there was a couple spots I wanted to talk about. Okay, so I have one where it is uh, a Straven describing Genli, um, and I, I love it because it is it is like you know these two aliens just like examining each other and <laughs> dealing with each other in like both 
like personal intimate settings and then like also in like huge groups of uh government mm-hmm. agencies and things like that there is a frailty about him he is all unprotected exposed vulnerable even to his sexual organ which he must carry always outside himself but he is strong unbelievably strong <laughs> i love that mm-hmm. um they have a like a, a huge difference in just like physical constitution as well oh um, yeah and they're I really liked that they are always at odds with each other about temperature. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, Genli is always cold and Estraven is always... Always, like, like too hot, like, yeah. Too hot. <sighs> um, See, oh, yeah. God, because... Mm, mm, I, I mean... There's so and then, there's so goddamn there's, much. There's so much. There's, it's a, it, there's a lot to this book, and it's really good. Um, and I can't say that enough, because it is... Just such an uh, interesting joy to read. I, I, I'm definitely going to read it more than once because like getting through the first time, I feel like so much of my brain was occupied by like trying to assign my own translations to things uh-huh. when I should have just been like absorbing. Uh-huh. And now I want to like go through it again a second time knowing what I know. Okay, I had another really good line that I wanted to to read, and this is from um, Genli's perspective. Please. I, I love, oh God, the gender stuff, it's so good. Hee <laughs> hee. <laughs> a friend. What is a friend in a world where any friend may be a lover at a new phase of the moon? Not I, locked in my virility. No friend to Theram Hearth or any other of his race. Neither man nor woman, neither and both. Cyclic, lunar metamorphosizing under the hand's touch, changelings in the human cradle. They were no flesh of mine, no friends, no love between us. Mm. That's... <sighs> and that's just, that's just, like, them thinking about, man, we are so different. Like, can we even be friends when we are so different? I... Like... So it's just like at the basis or like at the top level, I mean, not the base level. Like, obviously, it's so much deeper than the menial shit I just said. My point being, that line just gets me. It gets me so good. <laughs> the shit that gets me, the, the thing that really like hooked me was when Genli is, he visits those like fortune tellers. You yes, know what I'm talking the, about? Those like prophets. Yes, the seers. And there's this just long long discussion about how stupid predicting the future is and like how stupid it is to kind of like project on the future at all Mm -hmm. um and i think it's so incredible because that book is so much about like intimacy between people and like the reason that we like organize ourselves in these ways and like the the foibles and like the things we do to keep from loving each other and the things we do like the reasons we give ourselves for why we are doing certain things or denying ourselves certain things right exactly um, and it, based it, on it's like, like the idea of what oh yeah now it, i'm like what is the what is the english version of like schrift grether i think just persona is the only thing that i can really think of yeah but the whole predicting the future thing like you are a person, you are part of this really familiar system and this really familiar culture. When you encounter something that is so alien, like, of course it seems dangerous. Like, of course it seems not being able to see how that is going to go would scare anybody. Right. And a huge point made in the book is that the like the one person who 
can kind of accept this alien presence can do so because his mind is completely open to all possibilities at all times. You have to, like, he was the only person ready because he was ready for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, I just think about that so often, like, the way that you can't, you can't stick to a plan, you can't stick to a system that doesn't m- morph based on the context and based on, like, the events that occur. Like, there's, it's just incredible how much there's, like, there's, like, so much sexy shit in this book. There's so much, like, sexy romance, but there's also just, like, this this demo- democracy, bureaucracy, thought experiment shit that I just love. I love so much. It's, yeah, there's a lot of red tape uh, <laughs> yeah. coming, coming down to a planet. Yeah. That's uh, another, another great point of the book um, is just this, the reason that they send a single lone ambassador, uh, the Ekumen, is that uh, they say one person cannot be a threat. Yeah, exactly. And the response of everyone on Winter is basically like, uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> because the he, 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 Genli is a threat in his existence. Right, because he's the, so, the that, he's, there are just so many unknowns. There's like just right. infinite unknowns. Like, of course, of course people would be like, let's just put him away somewhere and not think about him ever again. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, it makes so much is, sense. He he's used as a political tool from the moment he arrives. Oh yeah, exactly. Which is fine if it hasn't happened already. Like I'm sure that's what will happen. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's happened already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this book is a beautiful and uh, somewhat heavy read. Oh, I highly, I highly suggest it. The last paragraph made me cry like for an hour. The whole, the whole book made me cry multiple times. Good, um, good. <laughs> but yeah, if you were, if you were looking for some, some gender fluid sci-fi, this is like an absolute classic. Oh and yeah. I really wish I had read it earlier because, man, I wish I had read it earlier. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I mean, I. I don't think I was smart enough to get this book until, like, the last few years. <laughs> I still don't feel smart enough to get this book. I'll willingly admit that, but that's why I want to read it again. And I feel like if I had read it earlier and was, like, even less smart <laughs> had, <laughs> when I read had, it the first time. Had an even softer brain. Yes, an even smoother brain. Mm-hmm. No, I just, I would have liked to had this concept bouncing around in my brain at an earlier age, but, you know. Yeah. The, I, some sort of idiom about wishes that I can't remember. Insert here. <laughs> what is that? What is that idiom? If wishes were... Horses? Wishes were... We would all have... What? A lot of horse meat. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> well, it's no wonder that that idiom's not around anymore. It sucks ass. I don't know. If wishes were... I don't know. No, no, you nailed it in one. If wishes were horses, we would all have more horse meat. meat. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely it. Um, uh, okay, can I say 
Yes. There are, there are probably people, there are definitely people listening to this who have read The Left Hand of Darkness um, and who and love... And are probably screaming at us right no, now. No, no. We're saying lots of <laughs> smart, good things. And, well, I'm, I'm saying those people are probably like, what can I read next that is like that? And they mm. probably can Google things, so they don't need my advice. Do I um, The Birthday of the World is a good one. The Dispossessed is also good. Those are both Ursula Le Guin books. But if you're looking for something that is not a book or um, something that is anime, <laughs> Legend of the Galactic Heroes reminds me of this book quite hmm. a bit because um, it is an examination of democracy versus autocracy and kind of like all the weird little moving parts that make each of those things work and like. But how's the gender? Oh, the gender shit is not uh, not present um, at mm. all. Sorry, oops. Um, it's Zero all genders. Out there's of gender. actually okay. There are there are like <laughs> all the women are like secretaries and wives, and sometimes there's <laughs> sometimes there's secretaries that become wives. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that ad. But if you play the game right, you become a wife. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's from nineteen eighty. The wife years. And it's based on something even older, which is not an excuse because this, because Left Hand of Darkness came out in the 60s, but um, it's an incredible show. Uh, And the fact that there are no women somehow didn't really (laughs) bother me when it usually bothers me so much. But I think it's because there's a lot of like man on man love. There's like so much man on man love. Um, not explicit, but, like, just affection between men. There's a lot of, um, space battles in which there's, like, one man in one spaceship fighting one man in another spaceship, and they're each going, Ah, it's that guy! It's that guy who's so smart that I, I must defeat, um, which is very gay, Mm -hmm. if you... If you ask me. Keeping keeping a little picture of your nemesis around your neck. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like that. Like Kate um, but it's comic. like it is it's like really, really weirdly affectionate. It's like these two guys, these the two main characters are like one on each side and like they have all this like respect for one another, but they both like I don't know, there's like this acknowledgement of like, well, we're just locked in this eternal battle between mm-hmm. um between totalitarianism and democracy. <laughs> but people should check it out. Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Um, Little I just watched all, like, 110 episodes recently, and it was... Oh, how's your brain? Are you okay? It was... My brain is wonderful. It's such a good show. It's <laughs> such a good show. It's just... It's perfect. Anyways. What, uh, what else should... We're, we're talking about other books now. Yes. Right? I want to talk about a book series that I really loved as a kid um, because it just had some really great female characters in it. Mm. So we're going to, we're going to pivot from talking about gender fluidity to, I want to talk about some kick-ass ladies. Well, we talked about gender fluidity. We talked about a show in which women do almost nothing. And now we're talking about what I assume will be strong female characters and not weak (laughs) female characters. (laughs) No. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Weak female characters are the only kind I care about. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed 
this series. It is the it's four books in a series. They're uh, I would I would call them like young adult fantasy. Um, it is the Enchanted Forest Chronicles, which is an okay name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't feel cool saying it, frankly, but I really did love these books. Um, the titles always get mixed up in my brain because it is dealing with dragons, searching for dragons, calling on dragons, and talking to dragons. So honestly, I could not tell you which one was first if I wasn't holding it in my hands is right that, now, which are, I am. Are those the only four? Yes, it's those four books. That's so the it's whole an series. enchanted forest full of dragons. No. N- oh. No. Where's the enchanted forest? It's... I mean, it's its own thing, but the dragons don't live there. They live in the mountains. Okay, good. Because I was going to say... They're like neighbors. I was going to say, if they're the kind of dragons that I know about, they do a lot of fire stuff, which wouldn't be good in a forest. (laughs) They do a lot of fire stuff, and it isn't good in the forest. And that is um, a plot point in one of the books. So who... What is the... Why do you love these books? I'm going to tell you. (laughs) That's what I'm here to do. Because it's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) These, uh, the first one at least came out in 1990. Um, the edition that I picked up recently when I, because I wanted to reread them, uh, to see how they hit as a grown up now. And the answer is good. They still hit good. They're still fun to read. So they're, they're like 25 years old now. Did I just, was that an, even an English sentence? The thing I just said? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Nailing it. Anyway, the first time I read these, I just really enjoyed them because, like you were joking about, they have some really interesting female characters. These books are by Patricia C. Reed, an uh, author who is still alive, which I'm, I was happy to learn when I googled it a couple of days ago. And a lot of people who aren't the author have sort of, like, touted these as having, like, kick-ass feminist characters. You know, like, the strong, interesting, don't take no nonsense from goofy men kind of women. Vampire slayers. Which, like, I I really enjoyed. But what the the main thing of these books is taking, taking fairy tales and flipping them on their heads in sort of, like, a fun, just, like goofy way, which I think is going to be a great segue into <laughs> the books that you are also going to be talking about. But the the edition of these books that I got had a new introduction from the author, and it included this section that just, like, really brought a lot of joy to my heart. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just wanted to share this because it, it, it's, like, specifically about the kind of characters in her books. Let's see, where do I want to do this? I even highlighted it, and now I lost it. Explaining this occasionally confounds people who think that I wrote Cimmerine. Cimmerine is the name of the main character. I also don't feel cool saying that out loud. Um, Think that I wrote Cimmerine as some sort of feminist statement about what women can achieve. I find their surprise hard to understand. My real-life family and friends are full of women like Cimmerine, 
From my twin cousins who have been fur trappers in the Alaskan bush for most of their lives, <gasps> to my mother, who became an engineer long before women's liberation officially opened non-traditional careers to women, to my grandmother's aunts and cousins who were office managers, farmers, nurses, nuns, geologists, and bookkeepers, among other things. None of these women take any guff from anyone. They aren't proving a point about what women could, should, or can do. They are ignoring that whole question, which none of them considers a question worth asking at all, and getting on with doing the things that interest them most. Hmm. So the the part that I really attach myself to there is um not proving a point about what you can or could or should be doing, and just like, this is the shit that I'm into, and this is what I am doing. And if you can't handle that, and that breaks your expectations... Well, then I'm sorry for you, but that's frankly not my problem. I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> <It's here. laughs> uh, I I relate to that statement quite a bit because uh, I remember the first time that I was like featured as a cartoonist on a website. The AV Club did this list that I believe was written by Zainab um, Akhtar uh, that was like 10 female cartoonists that you should follow. I mean, it was, like, a long-ass time ago. And it wasn't female. It was, like, it's International Women's Day, and here are some cartoonists that you should follow. Mm -hmm. And I was on that list, and the stuff that Zainab had written was, like, these comics are about, like, the, the experience of women. I just, like, not identified, like, my work with that at all. Like, I, I, I didn't think I was doing something particularly girl-oriented, which mm -hmm. is insane, considering the title of Your my book and the content. Your comic is called Yeah. Yes. Um, it's all about girls. And then, you know, there was... Do you remember the comic journal review that everyone was talking about that called my book gynocentric? Yes. Oh, how could I ever forget yeah. the gynocentric book? Yeah. So, like, a lot of people have accused me of doing this like radical feminist stuff and i used to be like what i'm not doing that i don't know i don't know i i really feel like i could go either way on the this statement by this author because it's like it feels like she's trying to distance herself from being a feminist she's just like i get a little bit of a i don't i don't really want to rock the boat i just know lots of strong women you know like <laughs> No, I, t I can totally see where you're you're getting that. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, like, I also had that reaction, like, when I was younger and people started, like, applying the word feminist to me where I was just like, what? No, I don't like causing trouble. I don't like, I don't like taking up space. No, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too cynical. Maybe I'm being too cynical about, about this statement because, like, she's, I mean, it's, she's it's not wrong, valid. you know? <laughs> It's a completely valid critique. I think that yeah, there are there are definitely some uh some elements of not like other girls to this. Oh yeah. Which, when I was young, that was like you know what I thought I needed. Oh, I mean, it, I feel it, like I feel like the whole <laughs> not like other girls, the cool girl, that is a big uh, trans mask feel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I will sacrifice my whole identity just to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the main character, uh, Samarine, a lot. Um, she is just, like, a funny and interesting 
character. She doesn't take shit from people. She is a, a princess who is interested in unprincessy things. The story started out as a, a short story called The Improper Princess, <laughs> um, where she was just like playing with the, you know, the idea of what uh, fairy tale princesses are traditionally supposed to do. And so the first book is about um, the princess deciding that she is going to go live with a dragon based on the concept of dragons kidnapping princesses and then they have to get rescued by knights. And so she has willingly gone and found herself uh, a dragon to work for and becomes the uh, chief cook and librarian for this dragon. Oh, that's... What a fantasy. It's so... It's... Yeah. Who doesn't want to do that? Exactly. Right. A Um, cook and and librarian? Like, that's... Wow. Yes. It's... And, I mean, she loves it, obviously. She set out to do this. Um... And so a lot of the first book is about her dealing with uh, various knights and heroes trying to save her, um, the ins and outs of dragon culture, living with them, etc. Just like very fun, comfy stuff to read. And there is a witch character in the series, too, who is uh, the third book in the series is told from her point of view, Um, a witch named Morwen, who like, honestly, she she was the blueprint. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like. She is a a witch who is not at all concerned about what uh, a proper witch is supposed to do. She has, like, a magic door um, that goes to, like, a bunch of different places in her home. She has, like, a beautiful little farm. She makes homemade cider, and she's got, like, ten or seven cats, and, like, none of them are a black cat. And, like, I I don't know. I love that. I think it's a goofy little point. But it's, yeah, they're just, they're very fun young adult fantasy books they are not super deep but i just really loved some of these characters as a child and reading them as an adult the 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 main thing that really again stuck with me is just like sort of the same reasons that i started drifting towards using like they them pronouns was the uh like removal of expectations going about just doing what interests you and what feels like you Mm -hmm. like this is the pure distilled experience of me i don't want any like i don't know i guess even saying that you use they they them pronouns now has its own set of connotations that people (laughs) people come up with that's how we have so many memes about it yeah it almost feels like people are like oh you just want attention it's like no i literally want the opposite (laughs) Like, <laughs> do not perceive me. Like, 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 um, this is me trying to, like, I, I, I don't, like, please stop seeing me as this person. <laughs> like, I was getting way worse attention when I was using, like, she, her pronouns. I don't want it. I don't want it. But, yeah, these books were, were near and dear to me. Um, I gotta say, the cover... The covers bug me. The ones that I got. What? <laughs> Not the, the ones new I ones? had growing up. The newest ones, Ugh, yeah. I hate them. Um so don't uh don't judge these books by their covers. Yeah, I mean I can't I hate it. I hate it when they change cover art to like I'm putting myself outside. Oh my god. <laughs> I I love that the the I feel like fantasy stories turned on its head is like a whole genre but it's still, like, very wide, because you have everything from, like, this, the Enchanted Forest Chronicles, to, like, Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Some of, man, some of the, like, 
intimate sexual descriptions in that book have like absolutely haunted the attic of my brain to this day. Wicked? I haven't read it. I tried to read it and I found it difficult. I don't know why. I don't remember when I read it, but it had to be a really long time ago. Yeah, I tried to read it in high school, but I was like, I mean, I've always been kind of not a good reader. I don't like fairy tale with a twist is usually like a very boring like category for me, but well, I I mean, I think it's not a boring category. It's just like a lot of boring people are are like this is what I'm going to do. I don't know. It feels it feels like a little bit I don't want to say cowardly, but like nervous to be like I don't want to write my own story. I'm going to write in um maybe safe. Yeah, yeah, it feels safe. But that there's actually nothing wrong with that. Like <laughs> there's actually nothing wrong with with doing that. Um I'm not really into like a hokey cynical interpretation like you would get with like Shrek or whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't bring Shrek into this. Place. <laughs> Why? Because you'll just get too horny. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> All right. <laughs> Is it hot in here? Somebody once told me. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, um. You're so distracted by the thought of horny Shrek. I really am. Even. I, re- I mean, you saw Shrek too. When he becomes a human, he's kind of. I, I think about that a lot. He's really. I'm just like. He's hunky. <laughs> that's. Scene where he's just like walking through and people are like walking into lamp posts and shit because it's just like this is the ideal male body. You may not like it, but <laughs> this is peak male performance. Yeah, and they were right. Uh, oh, oh, I wanted to talk about. Wait, are, is there anything? Can I talk about my books now? Oh yeah, please no. I, otherwise, we're just gonna keep talking about how hot Shrek is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> let's leave that for other podcasts. I didn't mean to go on that digression about like fairy tales with a twist, because um, well, maybe I did because the the books that I wanted to talk about were also like in that genre more or less. I don't know what age range these books were like meant. For I mean, I assume young adult. I found these books in my middle school library, which is where I found a lot of weird books. But then I would say, uh, I would think saying middle school, yeah, middle school reader would be a safe bet. It, yeah, I mean, it, there was a lot of weird shit in that library. Like, I, there's a lot of like middle grade noir that I know that sounds oh, insane, yeah. but like, I read a lot of like weird books about like kids getting involved in organized crime or something. Anyways. A juicy subject. Yeah, but um, the books I found when I was like in about eighth grade were by this woman named Donna Jo Napoli. They were all, for the most part, like takes on stories that had already been told. And the four that I remember most um, are Beast, which is Beauty and the Beast, Zell, which is Rapunzel, uh, Crazy Jack, which is Jack and the Beanstalk, and then also uh, Song of the Magdalene, which is about Mary Magdalene, which was... Damn. Beast was the first one I read, and I was so obsessed because um, I was 13, and I was, like, completely obsessed with sex. <laughs> <laughs> 
And these books had so much sex in them. They were like Ooh. almost specifically about sex. Like Beast, it, you know, it's a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but it's like he's he's Persian um, and he's cursed by some 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 witch. He's like a Persian prince who's cursed by a witch. And he travels across the land and ends up in France. He ends up in like an abandoned castle in France. Um, but on the way there, he like runs into other lions. He's like, I mentioned that he was turned into a lion. No. Like he's just a lion. He's not any kind of like magical beast. No, that you can definitely talk. did not mention Okay, that he he's just a lion. lion. He's just a lion. Like he can't talk or anything. <laughs> but there is a like really explicit sex scene between him and a lioness on the way to huh. on the way to France. And then he gets to France and the like Beauty and the Beast story happens, but in this really, really like weird way because he is not I mean he he can display intelligence, but he can't speak or anything. The mermaid's curse. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then, you know, there's Rapunzel, which is like the classic tale of Rapunzel except like there's a bunch of sex and she gets pregnant there's like a lot of sex and pregnancy and like strife in that arena which I just like couldn't wow. get enough of and then Crazy Jack actually is about mental illness like in this I was gonna say I don't see how you could have any sex in that one no I mean it it, it is a romance and it's about like I think it's told from the perspective of a, a girl who's in love with Jack like, of Jack and the Beanstalk, but he is, like, completely out of his mind. And I thought that was, like, so incredible and dark, because, like, I grew up around a lot of mental illness, like, really severe mental illness, and, like, it's just not something I had seen depicted in any book. Mm -hmm. The most significant book um, was Song of the Magdalene, which is a, like, I grew up Catholic, and I knew who Mary Magdalene was, and I I'd seen Jesus Christ Superstar live like four times by the time I <laughs> I read this book. And it is this retelling of the story of Mary Magdalene where she is epileptic and she's like a societal outcast because she lives in like ancient Israel. Um, and they're like, you are possessed by a devil. Hmm. And she forms a relationship with another person who's sort of like a societal outcast. This, uh, like man named Abraham who is like I think he can't walk or he he might be like a quadriplegic or something but he has like a beautiful mind and they fall in love and like she gets pregnant with his child and then has a miscarriage and he dies and it's like all like incredibly tragic and then of course she's like saved by Jesus Christ in like the very last chapter wow yeah um and I was just like blown away by this and I just like completely assumed that it was like the quote unquote true story of Mary Magdalene even though like <laughs> I don't I don't think you should like erase sex work to be like oh she was pure like I think <laughs> I think it's better probably if she's a sex worker mm -hmm. like ugh, I don't know it they had such an impact on me because I was just like craving that kind of like darkness Mm -hmm. Like, as a very, very, like, sad, horny middle schooler, <laughs> like, it was the only place I, like, really saw myself, um, like, a very, 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 it's, like, basically the opposite of what appealed to you about your <laughs> books, where I was just like, oh, these women are so fucked up. <laughs> 
Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> we needed different things when we were young. Yeah, yeah. I just needed, like, some reassurance that being very, very sad and horny was okay. <laughs> oh, thank, it is. Thank you, Donna Jo Napoli. <laughs> but I, like, I mean, I appropriated, like, those storylines throughout high school. Like, when I would write comics and stories, it would always be about women who got pregnant and then their boyfriends die and they're like left to raise this love child and it's uh i mean it's either that or you're inuyasha's girlfriend so i was never inuyasha's girlfriend i was inuyasha's sister my boy i was moroku's girlfriend whoa what the fuck i know i know (laughs) gross right but he was horny and that appealed to me I, i guess yeah I get, I get it. I had the same thing for Brock. That? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I get it. I was very young. I was very young. I was in my early 20s, okay? No, I'm just kidding. I was <laughs> I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't bring that around to gender, I guess. Or maybe I did. I do, I do think that being the, like... The, the, our gender of youth. Yeah, well, I, I guess being like a really, really sad, self-destructive, like... 13 year old girl is is part of my trans story so absolutely Mm -hmm. well thank god tumblr made made me weird thank (laughs) god i was indoctrinated by social justice (laughs) and now i have no gender (laughs) help tumblr took my gender tumblr took my gender it was all true Tumblr took my gender and other early aughts horror stories from the web. <laughs> Tumblr ate my gender. Get out me gender. Um, <laughs> should we talk about anything else? Sorry, I just keep thinking a dingo ate my gender and laughing. Um, <laughs> stupid. Bad show. Uh... Yeah, I'm like, I'm getting really sweaty, so I think we're done. Okay, cool. Do we do an outro, or we, is that? Yeah, um, and we make it up on the fly every time, and it's really awkward. Oh, okay. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about books this month. Yeah. Um, sorry this episode came out a little late. <laughs> uh... It was my fault. I drove across America to kiss somebody, and then I drove back. It took a long time. <laughs> um, the next one will hopefully be out sooner. We will be better. Yeah. Yes. We shall. We shall. We shall. Well, um, goodbye, faithful listeners. Goodbye, Rain, my child. Um, <laughs> I'll see you on the internet. Where can people find you on the internet, Casey? I'm at Ignatz Hatterack on most things. I-G... I'm not going to spell it. Just Google me. I-G-N-A-T-Z-H-A-D-E-R-A-C-H. Thank you. You're welcome. You can find me at Small Small Witch. We are part of the Orange Groves Network. Thank you so much um, to this beautiful grove for having us mm-hmm. and thank, thank you to joe for editing this sorry that thank you i laugh so loud so often i'm yeah i'm sorry i laugh and i blow out the mic mm-hmm. um <laughs> we're just a couple of blowers excuse me <clears throat>
<laughs> oh, join our Discord if you want. <laughs> it's full of good people, and we talk about socks sometimes. Oh, I love socks. Uh, I got some really good genderqueer socks the other day when I went to get soup. Soup. <laughs> <laughs> soup. Yeah, that sounds like something you'd do. Yeah, man, it's fall. I wanted soup. Soup. All right. That's all that's they all. themed. That's all they themed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so good. That's all they themed. Gender if you gotta. Yeah. Bon voyage. <laughs> I didn't have anything. Aloha. No. <laughs> You're cut off. <laughs> okay. Yep, bye. Bye. Hey there, I'm Marn, and I've got a new podcast right here on the Orange Groves Network. Every other Thursday on Dead Letter Society, I'm going to invite a friend into my library of terror to discuss a piece of horror fiction. We'll tackle topics like, why does Stephen King like evil clowns so much? Why is Ikea so inherently scary? And why don't young adult publishers like the horror genre? You can even read along with us week to week and weigh in with your own opinions on the Orange Groves Discord. So check out Dead Letter Society, a horror book club podcast, on the Orange Groves Network website or your podcast provider of choice.